So it's important that uh, there's there's things out there. There there's facilities out there for to to repair these devices uh, in a timely manner. So, but we'll get to all that after Rick sneezes. <laughs> Either that or he's having a seizure. I'm not sure which. Excuse me. There's a sneeze. That's good. You don't have to call the ambulance, Ryan. Uh, all right. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Banter, banter. Um, hey, there's a different a different voice in my headset today. There is. Uh, hey, <laughs> my name is Rob Minot. It's all about the voices in your head. It's true. Uh, joining me today, as you may have heard, Ryan Fleury. That's me. And a special guest today. Oh, well, Steve Barkley isn't here. That's right. So special. we won't even talk about him, but... Special in quotation marks, of course. In his stead, Mr. Rick Chant from Chaos Technical Services. Good day, A. Uh, yeah. Special, very special guest. Yeah, we thought it was high time that we brought Rick on. We keep talking about this Rick guy in Chaos Technical Services, but he's only been on a few episodes, so I thought we should highlight kind of what Chaos Technical Services is and does quietly creeping in the background <laughs> well you know it, it is true uh, often quite often service departments are unsung heroes in any given corporation and certainly in the assistive technology field you know we, we're talking about devices that that really are important to, to people's day-to-day -day lives so why don't why don't we step a little bit back tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into servicing assistive technology because it's a pretty niche field it is um i i'm a computer tech by trade way in the background um i'm ex-military uh did some work for um a company overseas uh building computers for the u.s military um and now what year would have that been like what kind of computers are we 90 through 94 okay. uh 325 uh, right. eight, a, you know, eight megs of RAM. <laughs> the DOS days. Four, 48650. Anyway, um, many moons ago and uh, during the process of um, childbirth, my wife blew uh, one of her eyes and is blind in one eye. And I had to do some soul searching as to what that meant and um, what it would be like living life with somebody with a disability. And I tickled that out a little bit. And when we moved back from overseas, um, Steve had had been part of uh, the, comp the old company 
and uh, asked if I was interested in doing some work for them for a while, and it just kind of evolved in from there. So now, how did you know Steve, though, through? Uh, Steve and I um, have been friends for a long time. Uh, Steve's sister used to live with us, and uh, we worked together uh, prior to me going away. Um, so we've been, I see. we've been friends for a long time. 30 years-ish? Yeah. So he's he's the one that originally got you into the into the, the field. AT into the AT field, yes. But it sounded like it was kind of a good fit at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um and it, originally when I went in and interviewed, um the owner of the the previous company was was looking for somebody who was going to commit to five years because I mean that it kind of takes that long to spin up so that you're functional. And I wasn't willing to give five years. I was looking at three years because I wanted to go back to mainstream computers. And three years in computerese is a long time. Um, so we bantered back and forth. And, and ultimately, I agreed that, you know, with training and, and everything else, five years was probably reasonable. That's 25 years ago. Now, did you find that there was a huge learning curve in terms huge of... Huge learning curve. Yeah. Huge. Just a completely different technology. It's not a hard drive. It's not a video card. It's, you know, it's cameras. It's for Braille displays. It's Braille cells. It's Braille speech printers. It's speech ports. It's, it, there's, it's just, yeah, it's computer-based, but a lot of it is not computer. Right. So was there was there anything in common with what you had been doing? Oh sure, some. Um, you know the the configurations and stuff. Um, uh, writing batch files so that you know your your peripherals work like they're supposed to. They're loading at the right time, so they're being found. But I mean that's that's DOS days, like you say, Windows three point one, Windows ninety five. I mean that that's a long time ago. Sure, and then that was stuff was pretty finicky. Yeah, yeah, it had to be loaded in a comp in a uh, sequence, or if you loaded one before the other, the first one wouldn't work. Oh, it was it was just yeah. So was it a fairly stressful time then for you? No, no, no. I was I was familiar with batch files and and the learning curve was uh, because I'd been um, kind of secluded. Uh, the learning curve I think was more. Um, doing the face-to-face -face support, right? I didn't have to do that with the American military. Right. I didn't have to do it with the Canadian military. You know, it was just, I was kept, well, I wasn't kept in a room, but I was in a room and I was configuring computers and shipping them out the door. There was no client interaction. Right. Um, I did the occasional service call, but by far and away, it was mostly office work. Right. Um, and that's where the huge learning curve was for me was, was, you know, having somebody call into a service line and say, I've got this happening, step me through fixing it. And it's like, okay. So that was a real eye opener for me. Now, at that point, I guess you were working with all kinds of assistive technology. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's something that, that people need to realize too, is that, you know, there's there's very different assistive technology depending on what disability it's serving. So there are 
you know, CCTVs, for example, for people with, with low vision, you know, reading magnifiers and such. Uh, there's there's Braille equipment, Braille yeah, printers. Yeah, there, there's everything out there. You know, there's, and there's communication aids for people who are nonverbal, for yep. example. So what? how did you sort of tackle the fact that here you are, you're, you're sort of new to the, the industry, and there's a lot of devices that you automatically had to support. Like, how what was what was that like? Was it was it almost uh, too much to take? Um, n- no, I I approached it. You know, whatever came through the door was what I had to focus on and make sure it was doing what it was supposed to do before it went back out the door. Um, and I had good supports in the background. I had the manufacturers. I had Steve that I could pick his brain. He'd been doing it then a couple of years. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my own depth of knowledge was a, a long cry from lacking. So uh, between us, we, we managed to get it to work most of the time. Occasionally, there'd be stuff that went back to the manufacturer because it was stuff that I hadn't seen or wasn't able to troubleshoot or whatever. But ultimately, it got done. So it sounds like you just you just piecemeal like whatever you know you yeah. just, and you just trained as, as yeah, it no went no along. no my training was a little more formal than that um, I wound up uh, visiting the various manufacturers um, I went to Telesensory I went to Freedom Scientific I went to Enabling Technologies um, I went to Prankyromic uh, I've been to Saltillo. Um, so it, they, I went to most of the suppliers of the equipment, uh, in North America to be able to service them properly. And that was the investment that the old owner of the company was talking about. You know, not only was it time that I I needed to be able to spin up to, to be productive, but it was also the, the cost it was costing the company to train me to do it. Right. So he had to, you know, over that five years, we had to make that money back. And that's why he was asking for a five-year commitment. Now, in your experience, though, is is that fairly rare to have a company that sort of sells sells something like assistive technology do this, have its own service department? Um, because it seems like a lot, a lot of times I would think that it would just be easier to send... Uh, a piece of equipment back to the manufacturer. Well, that that's something that um, was an option was to send it back to the manufacturer. But when you're dealing with um, all the manufacturers are in the U.S., you're dealing with importing and exporting. You're dealing with people who are chasing paperwork. You're dealing with the cost of shipping it. Um, well, you know, the time a product's going to be gone. You know, a lot of these there's clients that. are locked on the these downtime. products, right? So. Um, you know, and if it was going back to the telesensory or the Freedom Scientific, which is in Florida, like telesensories in California, uh, or enabling in Florida, you know, it, it wouldn't be unreasonable to expect three weeks or a month, sometimes longer. And which is a long time for someone to... To, to be without? Without. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, that's... You, you know, that's, that's why I think back to like something like, uh, you know, appliances, uh, you know, when your fridge busts, yeah, it's a hassle, but like think of, you know, if you, if you had to wait four weeks to get, well, your, I your mean, if your, fr- if your fridge goes on the fritz, you call the appliance guy and he's there sure the next day. If they can't do anything with it, you put it in the truck and you call home Depot and you've got a fridge the next day. Right. 
you know, so it's a big, it's a big difference. You call the computer guy, he can be there the next day. Right. Right. If you got a braille printer that's down, you're not printing anything for four weeks. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's it, big. It, it's, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I would say it's even more important than, than something like a fridge to a lot of people. So, you know, that turnaround time, I would assume, is, is, was, is It was really critical the, for a lot of people, especially the schools. Right. Now, <clears throat> so tell me how long, like, so how long were you at Aroga? Which is the name of the name of the company old, the old company. Um, I was there from January of 94 until it sunk in February of 2016. Right. So 23 years. Did that, were you, you ever wake up any morning and just be like surprised, like, I can't believe I'm still here? Because um, it yeah. sounds like you had a five-year plan. Yes-ish. Um, and and it, it's hard to say that I didn't wake up and and go, holy crap, this is year seven. Holy crap, this is year ten. Holy crap, I'm a lifer. Um, it, it was very fulfilling work. It has been very fulfilling work. Um, so I don't know that I realized the time was slipping by as fast as it was. And then... You know, we went out and had a meal one night, the company did, and um, I was honored for being a 20-year employee. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And then I, I started to reflect, and yeah, it's been a long time. So was was that reason that you just kind of grew into what you were doing and you felt comfortable in servicing the, the equipment that you were? Or was there another element to it where you just, you got a lot of satisfaction? I, I think it was both. Um, I, as I say, my steepest learning curve was, was interaction with clients. And I, it's something after I cottoned on to it um i became quite good at uh, you, you know just eliciting the little pieces of information to put together the whole picture um so when i had that under my belt and i was interfacing with the same clients fairly regularly um we we kind of developed a rapport with each other and i i'm hoping it was always fairly positive with most of the clients um you always have problem some problem clients you always do um but for the most part i enjoyed what i was doing and i enjoyed the immediate people that i was working with and for and I don't know that there was a handful of days over the years that I woke up dreading going to work. And I don't think there are too many people out there who can say that. Now, you know, another thing that I think that a lot of people don't necessarily consider, especially in this day of age where we just, we have these devices, you know, in our pockets, you know, smartphones or whatever, and we just, we're assuming that, it, that they work all the time. But certainly you know, 20 years ago, uh, assistive technology, these devices were really complicated pieces of equipment. Um, so I would imagine there was a lot of points of failure um, just from a hardware point of view, but also from a usability 
point of view where if you know you don't know what you know how to how to problem solve through one thing that can completely negate your your ability to be able to use the device was was that challenging did you do you find that assistive technology requires a lot more in terms of support and servicing than say you know a conventional piece of technology yes i would agree with that um there's certainly a learning curve for your clients as well um you know i'm i'm sure Everybody in this field has had the phone call where it's, well, I can't get it to do this. Okay, well, have you tried going from this perspective? Oh, yeah, that works. Okay. You know, so the learning curve is, is certainly there from both sides of the, of both sides of the coin. Um, and I, I've, I've enjoyed guiding people through that. But again, I, I had really good backup in the background. You know, um, Ryan sitting across the room for me has been has been my bedrock for doing the support stuff for 16 years now, uh, 17 years, 18, no. 18. So, you know, between Steve kind of coddling me along for the first three or four, two, three, and my my knowledge that I gleaned from being trained, there was only a really a couple of years there that I was doing the heavy duty support. Right. And then I could hand it off to somebody who was doing that full time. Right. So I was back to making sure the device was supposed to work the way it was and then handing it off to Ryan to have it tested. You know, it, it was nothing for me to walk in and plunk something down on Ryan's desk and say, this is what I've done to this. Can you make sure it's working properly? And Ryan being Ryan, you know, if he didn't get at it then, he just kind of set it aside until he had time to get back at it. And if it was working like it was supposed to, he'd come back and say, yeah, it's good. Or he'd come back and he'd say, yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, those, are, both. The, those are the two <laughs> options. <laughs> Uh, we, we uh, what always amazes me whenever I would work, you know, wander back into your workshop, um, was just the, the breadth of, um, devices that you, you would have to work on that were very different from each other. You know, a CCTV is, is a very different animal than say, uh, a communication <coughs> aid or the guts of a, of a braille printer. Um, I mean, is it because that at its core it's all electronics, so that there, so there's there's some sort of commonality between all these devices that that enables you to be able to work on, say, anything? Yeah. Well, the baseline knowledge is the electronics. How the electronics is is used, then dictates what the device is, right? If you're using it to drive solenoids, you've got a brailer. If you're using it to uh, spew um, electricity on the back of a screen, you've got a picture. Right. You know, and how you make those electronics work kind of dictate what the device is supposed to be. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. There's everything from CCTVs to communication aids to Braille printers to um, anything in between, you know, we were, 
we've done note takers we've done voice sex what are those uh, um, yeah a little push button buttons, push button uh, note voice, to, uh, memo, voice buttons. memo buttons uh, through to uh, you know um, computer systems that were being driven by a, a joystick mouse that people are using to, des to do designs with AutoCAD right and anything in between so the the, the breadth of, of devices is you're right fairly wide so now, as so as a service person, or for uh, I don't know what what would we call you? Uh, uh, um, I don't even know what, what's I, the I word. Would, uh, I would call me a service manager, um, because I'm doing parts inventory and ordering. I'm doing the shipping and receiving of the devices. I'm doing the paperwork to support that. I'm doing the repair, um, and, and the interface with the client. So it's the whole package. It's not one facet or two facets of it. It's it's the whole thing. But you must have had had to have been very versatile in in terms of, I mean, both both your knowledge and and just to be able to adapt to whatever device is going to be coming in on any given day. Yes, but with the with the depth of knowledge comes that versatility, right? If if I was only trained to do braille printers, then right, you know everything else would be, uh, how do I approach this? But I guess Bob saw the value in training me across the spectrum of what it was they were dealing with at the time, and that has worked out well for everybody i guess well i think too early on you know being that everything was for the most part electronics board based early on manufacturers would actually share schematics with you so you know you could actually trace where a circuit is yeah, going right. from a to b and that's right you know that would help diagnose yeah. what the device is supposed to be doing yeah. i've still got uh, uh, um a tube of schematics from yeah. some of the manufacturers that I still dig out to this day. Right. Spread them out on the table and, and you know, start tracing signals and, and stuff like that. Right. Now that brings me to something else I wanted to talk about, which is the difference between, say, the technology of 20 years ago as opposed to the technology of today. And, you know, has that, ha has it been easier to say service devices or have they become more complicated? <laughs> Um, well, it's been easier to service them because everything is modular these days, right? Uh, some of the components at this day and age are, are sub-miniature. So, you I'm know, sorry, you're not... what does that mean? <clears throat> my, uh, you've got to have magnifiers mounted on your head to see. It, it's, all, it's all done by ro a robot. It's me. It's all done by robot and stuff um, when it's assembled. I so see. it's not big enough anymore to um, be unsoldering and, and move it to another board or to replace it and resolder it. There's not as much component level repair this day and age I as see. there was. So, that, so in that case, you would just replace the whatever it the is. The module, whatever right. the module is. I see. For the most part. 
for the most part. There are still some out there that are are you know if it's a if it's a tablet you replace the board or you replace the tablet or you replace the touch screen. If it's a braille printer, you're still replacing the components. You're still replacing the knob RAM. You're still replacing the time at cir timing circuitry. You're still replacing the solenoids. And this may be a loaded <clears throat> question, but do you find that products these days are sort of more hardy, less less likely to be to come in for repair, or is the older technology just you know those tanks that just never fail? Well, you you get it from both ends, I guess. Um, yes, the technology these days are more. I don't want to say robust because you know you still get kids dropping their their tablets and the screen shattering. Um, it's precious few times, once in a while, I guess, that you get one that oh I've got to replace a motherboard. You know, so you don't you don't get that level of repair. Yeah, you get the cosmetic stuff. Um, so I would say. It, yeah, they're, it's different. Sure. It's different. Um, I was saying on the way back from lunch that I just had a call from a woman in uh, Philadelphia wanting to know if I still serviced telesensory VersaPoints. Mm. She had one that she wanted to connect to a new laptop. And it's like, that's 25-year-old technology. <laughs> and it was still running as of July when she wow. finished school. And now she's back and they've given her a new laptop. I guess it's it's more. It, I guess what you're saying is that it's it's more of a design element now, just because touch screens are very popular and yeah. touch screens break. Yeah, that's whereas right. twenty years ago there there were there, touch there, screens. There, there were no touch screens, so <laughs> you drop something, it just you know you probably just dented it. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, now, what are some of the most challenging devices to service? Probably another loaded question. No, I'm not sure it's so loaded. I would say probably refreshable Braille displays. Right. Um, you know, with all those little tiny pins, they have to rise and fall, and they have to rise and fall a certain amount, and you've got eight pins per cell. Sometimes you'll have a 40-cell display. Sometimes you'll have an 80-cell display. Start doing the math, and there's a lot of pins. Right. Um, you know, sometimes it, they can be really cooperative. You'll get them done in two, three, four hours. Sometimes they'll be a pain in the ass and you'll be at them for days at a time. And those, and you know, we're, they're very, also very expensive devices. Very well. expensive devices. So uh, it's not like, which is why, I guess. you know, oh, here's a display that needs 15 cells. Let's just replace 15 cells. Well, at 150 bucks a piece, Yeah, 15 cells is two grand. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, so as, a, as nice as that would be, it's unrealistic. For now. For now. <laughs> sure, yeah, with, with, with that with current that technology. technology yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, which, it's coming, but how yeah. soon is it coming? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Magnets. <laughs> it's all about magnets. So now you are running your own company. I am. Uh, Chaos Technical Services. Correct. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you are the one of the only uh, service centers for assistive technology in Canada that services the 
amount of different types of assistive technology. That is partially correct. Um, I do a bigger cross-section of different manufacturers than anybody else does. Okay. Um, there are the manufacturers who take care of their own stuff. Um, and there are some manufacturers who want their stuff sent back to the U.S. to be done. Um, but in Canada, I will do uh, the big five, six manufacturers um, at my own office as the new company. But, you know, it's it's funny, though. I wonder why that is. Like, given that, it's, that assistive technology, like, the devices themselves are so important to, like, daily living of so many different people, you would think that the manufacturers would really support the idea of having service centers all across, especially a country as big as Canada, you know, having service centers in all the different provinces that could ensure fast turnaround times for for them. But that doesn't seem to be the case. The manufacturers really don't seem to really go out of their way to set up a, a system that would that would ensure for that. Why do you think that is? Well, it's it's got to be cost would be the first factor. Um, you know, it, it's no small chunk of change to set up a service department. You need equipment, you need tools, you need a space, you need somebody who's qualified to do the work, you need to be paying them a salary, um, and you need to have trust and faith that they're not uh, you know, that they're keeping busy. They're not out shirking their duties. Um, if there's, if there's nothing to do. Um, so I, I think it's, I think those are all factors. Um, and the other factor ish is, um, they are responsible for their own equipment and and I agree with that because I mean it's so very specialized that they don't want to farm it out to uh, Joe Blow's computer repair service you know I, I, I understand that and that's a I guess that's a company choice um, but for the end user it's not always convenient no well, absolutely not you know so I understand where they're coming from, and I, I understand that they're trying to address the end user's concerns, but sometimes the two just don't marry up. Right. The other issue that manufacturers are dealing with that people don't put much thought into is California has the population of Canada, right? Five time zones... The population of California, do we really need to have a dedicated service center mm. in Canada for 35, 36, 37 million people? Right. Well, and depending on what the product is, you know, like if it's, let's say it's blindness, low vision products, there right now are currently, as far as I know, three service centers in Canada. You know, there's the Frontier, there's Humanware, 
there's Optelec, there's Chaos Technical Services. So depending on what the product is, if you're looking at communication aids, you know, that's a whole different ball game. Kettle you know? of fish, yeah. yeah. You've got, you know, one or two. Right. So it really depends on what the product is. Right, and those big manufacturers take care of their own equipment. Mm -hmm. Right. So it is really frustrating when you've got, you know, let's say a $4,000 Braille display that your service center can't fix, and you've got to now get it shipped into the U.S. You're going to be without it for two, three, four weeks, you know, and you're relying on that. It's it's frustrating. It, it is, it is, and it's a problem, and it's, I don't know, I just find it interesting that the manufacturers don't really seem to be all that concerned with it and you know and and you know to be fair to them maybe that's really not what they're i mean the turnaround time and the the fact that if, if one of their products you know malfunctions or needs servicing or is out of warranty or whatever uh the fact that it's going to take as long as it's going to take to replace that it's kind of not their problem well i think yeah too, I, sorry rick no, i was just going to say you know you also don't have the quantities right like rick's not seeing six braille displays a week Oh God, no! For servicing, right? No. So, does it financially make sense for a manufacturer to set up a service center for braille displays and embossers when they might only see two every six months? You know, probably not. Right. And, right. and you know, credit where credit is due, um, some of the manufacturers have reached out and mm -hmm. said, "Are you interested in doing service for us?" And in the background, there's still talk going on related to having a chaos technical services do service for some of these manufacturers. Right. You know, I, I still do EVS. I still do some humanware. Woman called the other day wanting a telesensory device. Telesensory has been gone for eons. Um, so, yeah, there, there's still talk going on. It... it the wheels turn real slow when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, and we've agreed that, you know, the next time their agent is here, we'll sit and have a meal together and, and figure out some of the nuances of these, these details. And then we'll go from there. But it'd be nice to be able to continue servicing, you know, these clients that I, I've been servicing for 25 years. It'd be lovely to be able to pick up, you know, some of the other manufacturers and reach out to some of their clients. Well, and I think too, you know, you've got a history that I would, I'm pretty sure the clientele knows that when they send something to you, the turnaround time is going to be pretty darn quick, unless it's something you really can't fix or haven't seen before. And the manufacturer is saying, it's got to come to us because, you know, it, we got to put it on a scope or something, yeah. right? It's something you can't do. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the, the customers know that whenever something came into you, they'd have it back pretty quick. And there's something to be said for that. So I think the manufacturers have probably heard that as well on numerous occasions. Yeah, it's certainly value. Yeah. Um, you know, the clients value that service and that knowledge for sure. Yeah. You know, that brings up a, a good point. I, I think that part of the other problem is that, especially with assistive technology, it's not really intuitive to people that if, you know, what to do when their device breaks. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, you know, they don't yeah. know where to go. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one thing when you're, when you're, 
you know, your computer, you know, pukes or your, your stove well, or your fridge, you, you kind of, you know who to call, but you, how many computer outfits are there out there? Sure. I mean, well, that too, right? right? There's not only that, but you know, a lot of these clients are, are the vast majority of them are elderly. Um, and they turn their machine on and it doesn't work. They don't know what to do. They have no clue what yeah, to do. It's hard to, it's hard to walk them through, Pick press up this the button, phone. go into the menu, down arrow five times, press your select button. Like that's hard to do. Well, Absolutely. sure. But if it, I mean, it goes even further than that, rather they, they literally don't know who to call. Right. Like right. they, they don't even, a lot of times they don't even really know what their, their device is called. No. All they know is they bought it. They had it bought for them yeah. four right. years ago. Yeah. It might have a name on it. It yeah. might. It might, but they're certainly not going to know, oh, okay, Merlin. Okay, that's that's uh, made by Enhanced Vision. Right. I'll just give them right. a call. It's, it's, you know, the serial number is K01-something or other. They're yeah. not going to know that. Mm-hmm. No, they're, yeah. no, they certainly aren't. And not only so, that, but they might have their paperwork in their hot little lamp, but their machine is not working, so they can't see it. it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you know, really, they've literally no idea, do I call a computer place? No. Do I call a... No. You know, where where do you go? And I see really see that that, that is a problem. Yes, it is. Well, I, I had a call the other day from, uh, I guess it's three weeks ago now, um, from a woman who, when I picked up the phone, all I could hear was sniffling on the other end. And it's like, I thought it was my daughter. I thought she'd had a meltdown. And it's like, hello? And there was this pregnant pause and... This little old feeble, shaky voice came on. She said, can I talk to Rick, please? I said, this is. And she gave me her name and she said, I'm trying to get my affairs in order before I die and my Mer- my Merlin is not working. Okay. I'm at so-and-so, such-and-such. Um, can I send it to you? And she was only over town, over just over in Caresdale. And I said... Yeah, you know what? You don't have to send it to me. How about if I come and do a call on it? Oh, really? You do that? So, you know, we got that sorted out. And I I got to the door. I was trying to get ready to leave. And she kept talking at me. And so I put my bag down. She kept talking at me. And I was trying to get out of there for 20 minutes. And I think the not only the, yes, you've come to fix my machine, but you've also brought me some social time as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. And for seniors, sometimes that's huge as well. Right. The other thing that I've run into is my veterans. You show up and there will be something in the house that will will kind of tweak. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you're ex-military. Yes. So am I. So, you know, then that opens a whole new... Um, conversation and you'd be surprised how much weight um, that carries with a lot of those vets is oh you're ex-military and you're here to help me right you know um, sometimes that's huge I've had conversations with devices (laughs) you know people will call and they're nonverbal and Mm -hmm. You know, they're pushing the buttons on, and I can hear them. Mm-hmm. I can hear the haptic <laughs> feedback in the background, and it's like, oh, okay, am I talking to a device? <laughs> yep. uh, you know, uh, yes, okay. So I then I need to slow down, mm-hmm. get my head in that 
in that groove so that I know I'm not going too fast. Relay operators? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a whole different mindset. And, you know, some of that stuff is a real high opener. Yeah. And people are just so thankful that there, not only is there somebody there to offer guidance or or fix the device or whatever the right word is but there's somebody there who cares enough to stop and slow down and listen i i I think that's a big thing for a lot of people you're like a therapy service yeah (laughs) a mobile therapy service there you go yeah, um, <coughs> should get you one of those little vests that's for the service animals. Therapy wear. dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, so, given the nature of assistive technology, which and what I mean by that is the fact that a lot of times these devices are are really expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times they're meant to have a fairly long lifespan. Mm-hmm. So, for example, someone who buys a Braille display, they're, they're meaning to, to keep that Braille display and use it for five, ten years even, maybe even longer. Sometimes, I, sometimes longer, depending on what their, what, their, um, what their financial status is in the background. So that must play into the idea of servicing as well, because given that they're such complicated oh, devices, you know, there's something different. Something's going to go wrong. Huge difference. We're not talking about a device where if it stops working, huge they just toss difference. it out like a smartphone. No, no, no. And, and not only that, but if I've got somebody who's low income that has a 40 cell device that has been donated to them and they call and they say, it needs to be, it desperately needs to be clean. My braille is sloppy. You know, and it's just getting to the point that I can't use it. It's not uncommon. And and I did this with the old company as well. I've lost paperwork before. Mm. The client was never, ever billed. Right. You know, now, being that it's such a new company and I've got to keep it up and functional, um, you know, what takes me three, four, five hours to do? I'll bill for an hour and a half, right? two hours, provided the, and if the client can't pay for that, what's it going to take to go back into the, into the accounting software and say, an hour takes nothing. Take, you know, I'm, I'm not out to make a million dollars. I'm just out to make sure people are up and functional and, and doing what it is that they love to do. And I'm getting something out of it as well. You know, and that's, you know, we, we, one of the reasons why we decided to do this particular episode, I think, is, is mainly for the fact that I feel like service departments like this, there are kind of unsung heroes and it, it, they, they definitely are in the background. Um, you know, it's all about the new and shiny technology that's coming, that's, you know, it's coming down the pike. Uh, but very rarely do we talk about or think about, the importance of having people out there that are, are able to fix these devices when they do go down and they are, you know, I, you, we've said it again and again, but they're complicated pieces of hardware and, and software for that matter. 
Um, there's a lot of things that have to line up in order for those things to perform what they're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, we, we have to, we have to shine a spotlight sometimes on, on the people who keep those up and running and fixed. Um, you know, it's, it's important. Well, I, I, uh, thank you for that. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, the thing that we've all agreed on time and time again is what set Aroga apart in the industry was their ability to service what they sold. Right. And to have it done timely and to have it done properly. And if we ran into problems making that happen, to know that it was going to go back to the manufacturer and be done like it was supposed to be done. And by the time it actually got sat down on the desk again to be used, that it was it was working like it was designed to work. Right? So it didn't make any difference what the device was um, if there was a service call on it. By the time it went back, it was doing what it was supposed to do. Whether it was through the company, through the service department, or through the manufacturer, we dealt with all that. Right. And it was seamless to the client. Right? Sorry, this one has to go to the manufacturer because it's not something I've dealt with before. I don't want to screw it up. I'm, I'm just going to forward it to them. And, you know, as soon as I get it back in my hot little hands, I'll test it and ship it back to you. All they know is it's gone. Right. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on in the background to make that happen. There's paperwork. There's shipping. There's testing. There's phone calls. There's parts ordering. There's all kinds of hoo-ha. Right, right. And all they know is it's broke. It needs to be fixed. And that's something even today, now, if I get a call from somebody who has a CCTV that's under warranty, and it's something that I haven't seen, there's precious little I haven't seen at this point. It's something I haven't seen. It's the same thing. Irrelevant of it being Aroga or Chaos Technical, it still comes in. It's still the whole same process. It still gets tested. It still gets troubleshooted, shot it, shot it. And there's phone calls. Have you seen this? Have you seen, you know, how do I approach this? How do I approach that? Pour over schematics. Something I can deal with? Absolutely. Something I can't deal with? Okay, I need to send it in, you know. The, the whole process, there's so much going on in the background that the client doesn't see even now that that it's a different company, it's still servicing the same people on the same equipment for the same companies for the same end result. Since you've you've created Chaos Technical Services, what what in your day-to-day operations has really changed or has anything changed? Uh, I think the biggest change for me is uh, not having to commute anywhere. <laughs> um, if anybody knows anything about the traffic in Vancouver, it sucks. And I mean with a capital S. Um, and, you know, 
in the morning after I have my cup of coffee and I sail myself into my workshop, I'm, I'm, I, I still am disciplined enough that I need to get up. I need to have breakfast. I need to shower and I need to get dressed mm -hmm. before I go to work. That that's the divide is, is, you know, I have to transition from right. bed to work, but there's a sequence of events in there that helps me delineate from one to the other and I'm disciplined enough to be able to draw those lines and, and stay with them um, people that I do know that work from home are far less strict about that than, than I am um, and they'll go to work in their pajamas or they'll you know um, be da sitting down at their workbench with a cup of coffee in their hand those are no-nos for me um, you know, I, I really need that framework, um, to tell myself that I'm at work. And let me ask you this, why did you name the company Chaos Technical Services? Well, as Aroga was closing up, it was very, very, very chaotic. Um, you know, there was stuff happening. We had no idea what was going on in the background. Um... We had stuff on the shelves that we couldn't send home. We had parts that we weren't getting. I mean, it was just, it was absolute hell. You know, we were making promises that were not being kept because we weren't being apprised of what was going on in the background. And we sat down about and talked about it one night and it said, well, from all these, all this mayhem, from all this chaos, something will arise. And that's where chaos came from. Interesting. No, it has. Yes, my dog's name is Chaos, <laughs> and that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I could have just as easily named it Calypso Technical <laughs> Services because the cat's Calypso. But anyway, uh, yeah. So from amid the chaos, something will surface. And there it is. And there it is. And now we got to change your website logo. Two. Well, something coming out of chaos. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not out of the dog chaos. No, no, no. Not out of the dog chaos. Chaos itself. Oh, okay. The maelstrom of chaos. Yes. Well, as long as you didn't. No. There, there, there are many other adjectives that you could have named it after after all that. Yeah. After all that chaos. And it's probably yes. one of the, the, the more family friendly words and it's funny you know we've had clients that called and they'd say Ar -ar 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 aruba aruga aruga mm -hmm. i don't get those calls anymore it's like oh, oh is I this know. chaos technical yes it is chaos technical yeah it's very it's true i don't know how many times you're asked like what what is an aroga yes <laughs> yes Yes, so it's... And the funny it, story about that too is that it wasn't even supposed to be called aroga right. it was supposed I got to be called aroga. agora yeah the lawyer, what was it? The lawyer. Oh, I, I, from what I'm given to understand, um, the original owner of the company and the lawyer, when they agreed on the name and over the incorporation process, they went out one night and got all pissed up, tanked up. And in the morning, they went back to the hotel. And in the morning, the lawyer woke up and he was late getting to the incorporation hearing and he blew out the door without the owner and signed off on the paperwork and they had misspelled it at the incorporation office. Thus and so it became a Roga, not a Gora. That's funny. 
That's almost as funny as the time that Steve got all those um, USB drives. Print, oh, yes. Printed. Aroga in, Technologies. Printed in China and signed off on the fact that it said Aroga Techner. Yeah, technologies. Technologies instead of technologies. That <laughs> ah, was funny. I still have one of those. You know? Yeah, absolutely. They're collector's <laughs> items. One day it'll be worth millions. Uh, listen, Rick, why don't you tell everybody where people can find Chaos Technical Services on the web, how they can contact you. On the web at www.chaostechnicalservices.com. You can email me at uh, chaostech at shaw.ca or rick at chaostechnicalservices.com. Depending on how much you want to type. Yes. (laughs) It's a long long address. That's true. Or you can uh, take, take a swipe at me on my cell phone. Lives on my hip, uh, 778-847-6840. And um, those are the three ways you'd be able to track me down. So, you know, if they're having a, any sort of problem with any sort of assistive technology device, I mean, I would imagine that they can run it by you. And, you know, again, you can at, yeah, least, you know, at the very least direct them. I don't, I don't do watches. I don't do Roombas. I don't do... Uh, AI fridges, <laughs> anything else? You, you're you're welcome to give it a shot. Awesome, Rick. I wanted to thank you for coming in, chatting with us, coming all the way in because I know you had to commute in. That's I, right. You're not wrong. You had to navigate from that. over at least over the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Rye. Yes, sir. Uh, where can people find us? They can find us at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. You know what I was thinking, Ryan? What were you thinking? We could, pro- you, we could probably just record one of those, and I could just actually have Spice that and just place it in. <laughs> There's probably no need that we have to do that every episode. The outro every episode? Yeah, yeah we probably don't, although maybe that would get boring. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll ask our listeners. And this banter, 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 banter thing can, can probably be spliced <laughs> in. You're right. We could do an intro as well. That's right. And mm. we're going to have to get, in, get, get on that. Intro and an extra. <laughs> uh, hey, you can also find us on Facebook at AT Banter and on Twitter at AT underscore banter, uh, as well as Instagram. Our username escapes me at the moment, but uh, <laughs> so why the, again? Once, old, once again, the benefit of having these pre-recorded. Uh, Ryan, yep. Uh, once again, where can people find Canadian assistive technology? They can find them at Canadian assistive. Oh, that's not wrong. They can find that's Can- not wrong. What do you mean? That is wrong. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. They can find Canadian assistive technology at www.canastech.com. Uh, they can also find them on Facebook and Twitter. No Instagram for them, I don't think. No. Uh, what else? Is, oh, wait. And you can also find Chaos Technical Services somewhere, but we've already covered that, so we don't even need to do that again. That's right. So we're that's going to be it. Hang we're, it up. We're out of here, folks. Thanks so much for listening in. And we'll see everybody uh, next week. Without a doubt, we will. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. 
For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.